Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Obviously, I'm not Ryan. Ryan did not get shorter and get older. Um, Mark, they called Mark out of the bullpen this morning. Ryan is out of town, and you want to make sure that you're praying for him. He will be back uh, tomorrow. And, um, but I am so glad that you are with us this morning. I want to ask you, how many of you watched the Super Bowl this year? How many of you are here for our Super Bowl party? There were a lot of people that were here for our Super Bowl party. We had about 100, 110 people here. Had a great time for our Super Bowl party. We had the Carolina Panthers, the Broncos who were in. And I know a lot of people were uh, upset that the Panthers didn't win. Um, but... But it was really a good game. It was one of those games where a lot of people thought it was going to be high scoring. It wasn't as high scoring, but it was a good ball game. But how many of you, let me ask you this question. How many of you, outside of the ball game, outside of the ball game, what do most people enjoy about the Super Bowl? Outside of the game itself, yes. The what? Halftime show? The commercials, the halftime show and the commercials. And a lot of times it's the commercials that people want to see. Well, a lot of people enjoy that, but there are other things that people don't enjoy about Super Bowl week, and it's all of the interviews. Now, some people really get into that, but uh, for me, I can only hear things so many times, the person saying the same thing over and over and over. I'm, I'm ready for the ball game to get started. And so sometimes all of the interviews, I get tired of them. But I found an interview that I'm going to have Willie show us. It's about a minute long that I thought would be interesting. I wanted to see what you think about it. And Willie, are you ready with that? This is from Super Bowl week. How many of you saw that interview during Super Bowl week? Did anybody see that? That's kind of silly, kind of crazy. Well, that interview, actually, what you just saw was taken out of context from different interviews from those guys. And they took it together and they spliced it together to make it into something that would be hopefully humorous. Some of you got the humor of it, some of you didn't, but it is pretty a silly video. But obviously, if you had seen that, if you had gotten up one morning and you were watching ESPN or something like that, and you had, you'd been up late night and you flipped that on and you saw that, you know, your friend, if you called him up that morning and said, dude, did you hear what Cam called Peyton? My girl. I called Peyton Manning my girl. He would have said, dude, what are you talking about? That wasn't part of the interview. Yeah, I saw it. But if you were not astute, if you were not wise enough to notice all the kind of the adding and the stopping and all the other type things, you might have thought that that actually took place. But what they did was they ripped that those conversations out of context and made it say something that they really were not saying or intended to say. Let me ask you this question. What does it mean when we use the word context? When you're talking about taking something out of context, what does it mean? Yes, sir. Taking something out of a bigger picture? Okay, all right. Context refers to the flow of thought in a passage for example, how a specific sentence is related to the sentences that precede and follow it. As you're reading, I, I know many of you, probably none of you, when you start reading a book, you don't start reading in the middle of the book. You don't start reading in the middle of a chapter. When you're reading a book, you start from page one and you work your way through to get the story, to understand it better, to really enjoy it. 
I don't know anyone who starts in the middle of a book. I know many of you don't, this doesn't happen today, but back in my day, this happened a lot. When you were dating somebody, instead of texting, instead of emailing, we wrote letters to one another. When I started dating my wife, Monica, she was a senior in college. How many of you even write letters anymore? Anybody? No. Yeah, yeah, some of it. Huh? How do you do that? Right. How, you, how do you do that, Mark? But I, I, I started dating my wife when we were senior, when she was a senior in college. I was already out of school working, and I could not wait to get a letter from Monica. And I still have the letters that Monica sent me. I've got them in a nice box, and, you know, and they still, I mean, you know, she's would squirt a little perfume on there, something like that, kind of silly. And she has all my letters. And you know what? When I got that letter, when I got that letter, I didn't start in the middle of the letter and start reading my letter from Monica. I, man, I would, I would start at the front, and I would read that, and I might read it again. And, I, and I'd say, oh, man, look what she, I'm thinking this, look what she said about me. Oh, she couldn't wait to see me. Man, I, and you, you know, you have a great day after you read that letter. It'd be dangerous, though, to read that letter or to read a text today, if somebody's writing a long text to you, to read it in the middle. You want to make sure that you understand. And a lot of times there's been unfortunate circumstances in our lives, and it happens even today, where people take things out of context, and there's a lot of misunderstandings. You'll hear in the political discussion right now, a lot of these politicians are saying, I didn't say that. They took that out of context. And you and I, we see things on CNN, Fox News, whatever, and we see bits and pieces of what somebody said, but we don't always get to hear the whole context of what is being said. And what I want to suggest to you this morning is this. As Christians, we do the same thing when it comes to the Word of God. A lot of times we read God's Word and we take it out of context. Now, we actually, a lot of people use the Bible like a Chinese fortune cookie. <laughs> let me see what God's Word's got for me today. Let's see. Mm, I had not been in it, but let me just... Oh, Micah, chapter 1, verse 16. Make yourselves bald and cut off your hair. For the children of your delight, make yourselves, make yourselves as bald as the eagle, for they shall go from you into exile. Well, I don't want my children to be ripped away from me, Carl, and... It scares me when I read something like that, so I better shave my head. <laughs> Marty looks like you already done that, you know. Um, but some people read the Bible like that. They say, oh, man, I need to read something today, and I just want to get in here and find something, something that will make me feel good. And we crack it open literally like a Chinese fortune cookie and rip out the little sheet and go, this is what God's got for me today. And that's how, not how God's Word is intended to be read. It's not, uh, it's not intended to be understood that way, to take one verse and make it say things that it doesn't say. But I'm going to give you a couple of examples before we get into our passage this morning of what people do with God's Word. The first example is uh, Matthew 7.1. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, when you're, when you're telling somebody about a decision that you're going to make or something's right, something's wrong, somebody says, hey, don't judge as a Christian it says, you should not judge. How can you tell me I'm wrong? And Matthew 7, 1 talks about not judging. But if you read the passage, Jesus is not talking about that you shouldn't judge somebody. What, 
Jesus is saying is that you better be sure that you're not being hypocritical, that you better examine your heart. You better, before you tell somebody else they shouldn't lie, you better look at your own life and, and make sure you're not the biggest liar on the planet before you look at somebody else and say, hey, dude, you shouldn't lie. Jesus was talking about not being hypocritical. He never said that we shouldn't evaluate, we shouldn't make judgments. But Christians who don't know better, and even non-Christians who know very little about Scripture, but they know some, a verse or two, as a Christian, you shouldn't judge. That's not true. The second one is this. A lot of times you hear about people, and people will use this and say this, particularly about people who have a lot of money. Oh, dude, you know what? Money is the root of all evil. Well, that's not what the passage says. Paul was writing to Timothy, and what he was doing, he was warning Timothy and warning those in the church that if you're desiring to be rich, there's going to be a lot of temptations that come with that. And then he went on and he said, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. Not that money is the root of evil, but the love of it. Nothing wrong with having a lot of money. But Paul was warning Timothy, hey, be careful. And those in the church, be careful when you desire money and wealth and all this other stuff because there's a lot of temptations that come with that. Be careful. But never does the Bible say money is the root. It's the love of. So, But unfortunately, there are people in the pulpits today in churches all throughout the United States that rip the Bible out of context and they preach from it and make the Bible or make that passage say something it does not say. You'll hear our pastor, Dr. Michael Youssef, say all the time, I've been here for 13 years and I've heard him say for 13 years, when you read the Bible, read it in what? Read it in context. He says it, oh, read it in context. And that means not just read a verse, but read the chapter, read the whole book, read the chapter before and the chapter after of the passage that you're reading, the, the paragraphs before and the paragraphs after. But there's so many things in the scripture that are abused in the church today and in, even in our studying where it can become very dangerous. People have said and taught things of the scripture that have caused a lot of damage in people's lives. And there's a verse this morning that I want to look at, or a passage, that is probably the most abused passage in Scripture. And it's in Philippians chapter 4. I mentioned this the other day to a young man in my Bible study, and I was just kind of testing it out on him last Monday, this group. And I said, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to talk about this. He said, in verse 13. I said, what does verse 13 say? He said, I can do all things through Christ and strength. I said, that's exactly what we're going to be looking at this morning. Because this is a passage, this particular verse is probably the most abused verse in all of Scripture. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is a verse that's been printed on t-shirts, it's on posters, it's on keychains, it's on postcards, it's on wall art. I mean, all over the place when you look around. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Professional athletes wear this on their clothes. Evander Holyfield. How many of you have ever heard of Evander Holyfield? A few of you. He was the heavyweight champion of the world. He's here, he lives in Atlanta. And he would have on his robe, when he entered the ring, Philippians 4.13. He would have Philippians 4.13 on his boxing shorts. And the night that he beat Mike Ty Tyson for the world championship, 
That's what he had on his, his shorts, his boxing shorts, had it on his robe. But not long after that, he fought a guy named Lennox Lewis, and he got whooped. But on his robe and on his shorts, he had Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, what happened when he won, when he lost? A lot of people quote that as, I'm going to be successful if I quote and really believe this verse. There are students, and you, maybe this has been you, walk in the classroom. person says, hey, man, did you study for that test? Oh, man, I forgot there's a test today. How many of you have ever had that? You forgot. Now, how many of you have ever done this? But guess what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to pass it. The Lord's going to give me the supernatural knowledge right now to be able to pass this thing. And maybe you've said, I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whew, I feel better. And then you get the big red F on the paper, right? Yeah. There are some people who do that. They think, man, if I just quote this, everything will be fine. Everything will be good. But what happens when we quote this and then we fail at something? Is it God's fault? No. But, unfortunately, I've known of people who've blamed God. When they have used God's word in a way that they shouldn't, and I'm not saying they're, they're idiots, but I'm just saying that rightfully they think, hey, this is what this means, and then something goes terribly wrong, then they find, well, God, I don't know if I believe your word anymore because I thought this was a promise. So here's what I want to do real quick. It's important to understand how to read the Bible, and we're going to have the rest of that passage up here. And I want to just encourage you to think about this. As you're reading God's Word, in, in reading it and thinking about it understanding it, it's very important in to understand who's writing it, when they were writing it, what the circumstances were when they were writing it, where they were writing it, these type things are very, very important. A lot of times in your English classes, you talk about the who, what, why, where, and, and, those, and how, and all those type things as far as, as you're writing, as you're reading. Those, and, and that's important in the scriptures. One of the best things that ever happened to me when I was in high school was a buddy of mine told me, he said, Mark, I think we need to get serious about reading God's word, but one of the best things that we can do, I was like a junior in high school, is get us a study Bible. Now, this is not the one I had back in high school, even though it's beat up and it's fallen apart. I had an NIV. But in the study Bible, what is so awesome about a study Bible, it's got incredible notes, and it's got before the beginning of a chapter, or before the book, it explains who wrote it, when they wrote it, why, the theme. Those things are, if you don't have a study Bible, I would encourage you to get one to help you as you're reading also having a reading plan, being able to read things. Some of you have a reading plan and you're able to read through and be able to get a good context of what's going on. But who wrote Philippians 4, or who wrote the letter to Philippians? Who wrote the letter to Philippians? Anybody know? Paul. Paul. And do you know where was Paul when he wrote this letter? He was in prison. He's sitting in prison. And he's writing to the people at Philippi. Again, I don't know about you, but if I'm sitting in prison and I've been, and you know Paul, if you've read anything about Paul, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was left for dead a couple of times. I mean, the dude did not have, you know, be a Christian and have a great life. Like a lot of people think that Christianity is all about. 
Paul's sitting in prison. It's not like our prisons today, color TV, weight room, stuff like that. No. Horrible conditions. And he's writing. He's sitting in prison and he's writing. And why did he write the letter? He wrote the letter to encourage other people. The people who had been supporting him, praying for him, loving him. And he wants them to grow in their faith. That's why he was writing. But as we look at this verse, in Philippians, looking at, and we just got a few minutes, and you guys are going to your table groups. But in Philippians 4, verses 9 through 13, it says this. Paul says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being a need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. When you read it in the context, in that passage, Paul is saying, I know what it is. I've learned from every situation I've been in, whether I have a lot, whether I have very little, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. For I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. That was the secret. That's the actual, the meaning of this passage. Paul was wanting them to understand that whether I have a lot, whether I have very little, whether circumstances are great, whether circumstances are bad, I have learned that with Christ, who gives me strength, I can be content in all of these situations. That's what this passage is talking about. Talking about how to be content. And this morning, you're going to talk about that around your tables in the, particularly in this culture that we live in, contentment. It's not easy. But this verse, we've got two or three minutes and then you guys are going. This verse is not about your wildest dreams coming, tr- come, coming true, like Napoleon telling Pedro, hey, just tell him, vote for me and all your wildest dreams. If you just read this scripture, all your wildest dreams will come true. It's not about this verse, this passage is not about your wildest dreams coming true or your li- all your life goals being met. It's not about you winning the football game and being the hero. It's about how you respond when you don't win. It's how you respond when life is not good and you're going through difficult times. It's how you respond when you don't get to go to the college that you really wanted to go to. It's about how you respond when you don't get the job that you really, 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 really wanted It's about how you respond when you didn't get the grade that you wanted in that class and you worked your your tail off. And it didn't work out. It's about how you respond when that relationship that you really, 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 really wanted doesn't work out. About how you handle those things. About you saying, you know what, Lord, whether I have a lot and you've blessed me, 
or whether I have very little, you still bless me because I know you. I have a relationship with you. And you've given me your word to understand and to learn more about you and grow in you so that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The last thing I'll say, then you guys are gone. Tim Tebow. How many of you have ever heard of Tim Tebow? College football player. He became famous in college for the Florida Gators. And he would wear little things under his eyes. John 3.16, Philippians 4.13 was also something that people were like, oh man, that's why he's winning. Because he got the Bible verses up under his eyes. That's what's giving him strength. Is all that. And, and Tim Tebow, I was watching an interview with him. Because he, he would wear Philippians 4.13 a lot. And this is what he said. Because people misunderstood. He said, he told the interviewer, he said, I don't wear those, that verse saying that I'm, we're winning and I'm doing well and I won the Heisman Trophy and, and all these things because I quoted Philippians 4.13. He said, here's, here's what's happened. He says, a lot of people have abused that. Even Tim Tebow knew that. He said, I wear that to remind myself whether I get hurt in the game, whether I lose the game, whether I win the game. It's Jesus who gives me the strength to handle all of those things because my focus is on him despite my circumstances. And guys, that's what I want to encourage you as you study God's word. It's not meant to be used like a fortune cookie. It's meant to be where you are able to read his word, learn, understand, grow in it. And there are many people in this room, adults, those of you that are older and been reading God's word that can help, there are all kinds of tools that can help you in those things to read and understand God's word better. But I can tell you this, if you use God's word like a fortune cookie and just rip it out of context, you're going to be really, really, really disappointed in life. And you may even doubt the things of God because you, and don't blame it on God. You need to examine your own heart. Am I really understanding God's word the way it's supposed to be understood? So my warning to you is don't blame the Lord because as you read God's word and you try to use it in a way that's not, that things didn't go well. But learn how to read it, study it, love it, and ask the Lord to help you with that and ask others to help you with that. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for today and for your many blessings. I thank you for each one of these young men and young women. Pray, Lord, that you would encourage them. And I hope there's been something this morning that's encouraged them and helped them. Pray that as we are around our tables that you will guide our discussions, that be good discussions, as we talk about how to be content, how to do all things through Christ who strengthens me in this world that we live in today. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.